When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Great to be with you on Thursday. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Damon Barr is in. He thinks it's so warm that he didn't even zip his coat up. Hey, good to have you in. We will dive into a lot of things. Some news on Indomitian Sioux and Tampa. He checked in with the Monday morning quarterback crew on his future in Tampa. We'll tell you about that. In-state recruiting for 2022. I know we focused on it Monday, but some pretty big in-state kids that uh, may not be heading down the road to Lincoln. Some updates on that. Uh, Pretty cool video that Nebraska's football social media put out when it comes to to dodgeball and uh, some reaction to Nebraska's uh, stretch in Maryland. So numbers to get in, 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865. Find us and give us a follow on Twitter at Schmidt underscore Radio Chris Schmidt at Damon Barr. That's two R's for Damon. You can email Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Before we get into some Nebraska basketball, a thought here on on the topic of dodgeball. Loved it, played it. How great was I at it? Eh, not the fleetest of foot. A little bit too round to get out of the way uh, like I'm Neo in the Matrix. But overall, it was a good time. We played it uh, with some of the, the kids I, uh, I was uh, teaching in junior high years ago uh, when I was working as a para, and it was great. And the, the kids loved it too. Really, if you put it... Uh, you know, students versus teachers. Then it was really on. And and you saw that uh, that camaraderie that you didn't see a lot of times between uh, different kids. They all had one goal in common, and that's to to knock out Mr. Schmidt and, you know, tip your cap to him. <laughs> good, good on them. But uh, we'll spend a little time with this, uh, the, the chemistry and team building side of things, you know, putting the monotony to the side during the the grinded out time of year, which is winter conditioning. Gary Barnett will be with us in an hour. Brandon Vogel also in the 5 o'clock hour. Uh, Burke's best bets, Danny Burke, will be with us in about 20 minutes. We'll get his futures take on uh, the Colts and Carson Wentz. But uh, I loved this uh, video that Nebraska put out. Guys were having a good time. And uh, you had uh, that athleticism on full display by some of Nebraska's kids. But, uh, you know, I look at, at, at Mario Verdusco about halfway through the video 
Mario charging to get a ball and, and trying to peg somebody. And the next thing you know and see, there, there's three dodgeballs screaming straight at him. And they didn't knock his glasses off. But there was some fury behind the windup. And uh, old, old Mario got, got knocked out. He had his backpack on, so it was a little bit detrimental for him. Uh, and <clears throat> I, I think it's Rhymers that's got the, the, the long hair and the mustache. He kind of looks like Howie from Bench Warmers. You know, the guy that was afraid of sunlight. Good luck. Uh, I'm not going to knock it. And uh, there was a, a mass siege to take the, uh, the head coach down. But uh, good for Nebraska. A little bit of joy. Not a ton of football news. Obviously, it's, it's winter conditioning. And uh, a little bit of a breakup of the monotony. Nebraska broke up and chewed up by Maryland with basketball last night. The seventh game in a 12-day stretch. The uh, second in as many days, back-to-back road showings against Maryland. And, you know, I, I'm I'm sympathetic to what Nebraska basketball has been through. And, and they are a vastly different team since they just got outclassed, out-hustled, out-efforted by Ohio State, who is incredible. But since that moment, since the pause, Nebraska's tried to come back with a vengeance. Their basketball has. And I have seen better play. I know we've spent a lot of time, I wouldn't say railing on, but, but critiquing just some of the decision-making and the shot selection and, and all of that. Listen, they're getting better. They're playing better together. And they were getting drilled by 21. And lo and behold, they kept on hustling. And they covered for you if you if you put money on Nebraska, which was dicey in itself at the end of this run. But the line was ten and a half last night. Nebraska ends up falling by eight, and it didn't feel even uh, you didn't even sniff that being close. If if you would have talked to me at the ten minute mark, but bottom line is Nebraska got just beat on some fifty fifties. The uh, missteps they took, Maryland capitalized on. Nebraska had no answer from from a perimeter standpoint defensively. And the two stud guards, uh, Wiggins and Ayala, uh, combining for, for 46 points, and they shot 17-33. So Maryland, when they want to be good, they are good. And, you know, Nebraska had to play a bit of a smaller lineup. And uh, w- things that stuck out to me last night, though, was just again, you see more buy-in with this team because the offense looks extremely pretty some of the time. Well, the way they'll reverse it, they'll pass the ball, they'll find a teammate for an open shot, and I really like where, where Teddy Allen is going. I know he ripped off 11 straight points. I know he finished with 25 points on 8 of 12 shooting, 4 of 6 from 3. Overall, Nebraska shot extremely well from three-point land, and they were down at half, right? There's just little things that they're still working to get better at. But this team, if they can catch their wind, get their legs back, I think can continue to compete. I don't know where it's going to end up, how it's going to shake out with Nebraska and the condensed schedule because they missed a month. And now if they get put through the ringer again, They'll they'll know how to maybe handle it better, but I think they've 
handled it about as well as you could. They just could have ended up with a, a couple of wins. They had their their chances in the first game against Maryland. They had their chance against Illinois, and they found a way to hang on against Penn State. Purdue comes in. Uh, Nebraska gets a chance to put their feet up today, actually practice, you know, practice at the rim Friday, and then prep. They've not been able to practice, and they've been going out and trying to do their best. So I see this team getting better. I don't know that it's going to result in wins. Uh, Shamil's a guy we spent some time talking about yesterday. He had nine points, shot three of five, and I think he's a guy that does provide a, a spark. And you've seen Teddy kind of start to play within the the bounds of the offense. I think you could see a guy like Shamil maybe start to do that as well. And and, and if you can get him to, to spark you off the bench, that's nice. Bottom line is Nebraska needs to, to get some rest, needs to regroup and see what they can do on Saturday against Purdue. Here's Fred Hoiberg, some commentary from the mayor after last night's uh, defeat at Maryland. I sensed it some before the game, Robin. You know, I still thought we went out and, and played with effort early and, you know, hung around. I think it was a one-point one game with a couple minutes left and, you know, didn't finish the half well. I think we went in down seven. And second half, they came out, got a quick one, and then, you know, we went on a nice run and cut that thing back to one with back-to-back threes by Delano, and we're right there. And then it just seemed like from that point on, they got every loose ball, they got every 50-50 ball, they got every offensive rebound, and then kicked out. It seemed like every one of them led to a three. And, you know, that was the difference tonight, was the hustle plays that they made over us. And, you know, we were, though. I You know, generally I give my post-game, or sorry, pre-game talk, and, you know, those guys fly up, they jump out of their seats, they sprint out the door, and they, you know, go out and get ready for a good warm-up tonight. You know, they all sat in their chairs for an extra five or six seconds and just kind of slowly got out of their chairs and walked out the door. So they are. They're, 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 they're fatigued. The stretch we just went on after uh, what we went through, uh, you know, capped off tonight with the seven games in 12 days was extremely diff- uh, difficult for our players. But, you know, again, as I said, that's not an excuse to get outworked. Uh, for those loose balls like like we did tonight. we got to find a way to muster up the energy uh, to go out there and make those plays. Very fair criticism and critique by the coach, but there is reality, and the reality is they were on empty, and it's easier to say than, than do. Now, maybe they'll, they'll muster energy the next time, if there is a next time, and sounds like there might be a next time with Nebraska – their schedule, and the Big Ten is going to do what they need to do, I believe, to protect Michigan. Michigan's great. Michigan's a one seed. Michigan jacks around with Rutgers, and then they've got Ohio State this weekend. But overall, uh, they're going to listen to Jawan Howard and if there's any pushback. Is it fair? No. This is Nebraska. They're the last place team in the league. And Fred Hoiberg's outlook on it is we need time, specifically for some of our young guys, to get in-game live bullet rep. And this is a a different spot for the programs. Michigan's been to two championship games and two Final Fours under Beeline in the last eight years. Uh, Jawan's come in with some talent, and they're playing at a really high level. They really love playing for that guy. 
Fred and Nebraska really don't have much to do or say to counter other than it just looks bad as a whole with your league uh, having different strokes for different folks. Now, it's not sealed and delivered yet that Michigan's going to get the uh, the all-star treatment. That's just kind of the belief. Sam McEwen asked about that last night with Fred Hoiberg uh, on the topic of fairness when it comes to Michigan is expected to do 11 games in 22 days. Will that happen? Doesn't, doesn't sound like that's going to be made to happen and put Michigan through it if they're a one seed. Why jeopardize that? The other team that's about to go through this is at the other end. Do you anticipate Michigan experiencing the same kind of thing that you guys just had to go through where they have to play back-to-back road games? It doesn't sound like it, Sam, um, you know, from what I read today. And, you know, we'll, we'll see what the Big Ten leadership decides on that. Uh, you is that know, fair? I, I don't know, Sam. Uh, again, it's, it's, I don't know if anything's fair right now just based on everything going on. Uh, in our world, it's just impossible to plan for, you know, hopefully a once in a lifetime pandemic like what's going on right now. Uh, you know, you just make the best of whatever situation uh, you have. And for us, our guys, they do want to compete. They want to get the opportunity to go out there and play. Uh, you know, right now, when I look at what Michigan's got going on, um, you know, potential one seed, right now they are a one seed. You know, they're looking at this thing a whole different way uh, than we are right now as far as. You know, right now we're building this thing for the future. We're in a completely different spot with our programs right now. So, you know, we, we do want opportunities to get our young guys minutes. I've been wanting to get Trevor out there. It's good to get Trevor some, uh, you know, extended uh, continuous uh, minutes out there. Eduardo continues to go out there and play well, and these are invaluable minutes for him in his future. So, you know, for us, I do think as hard as this schedule has been, uh, it's important for the future of our program. And, you know, I think you've seen that with the growth of some of our players. So Fred isn't going to get into the politics of it. It is what it is. <laughs> you adapt, you adjust. And the reality is you get a day of prep because you put yourself through this schedule. You, you go through the, the hard part and stretch first, get a breather, get a prep. And, and see if you can't get a, another win against Purdue. Last thought here from Coach Hoiberg, and we talked a little bit about uh, Teddy Allen, Teddy Ballgame, Teddy Buckets kind of doing his thing, and uh, that growth's been noticeable, and it's happened since the benching, where, all right, you're going to sit, and you're going to be a good teammate, and you're going to try and – play within the the confines of the offense. It's not just about you. There are traits that you got to have and want and need when you bring in a a guy like Teddy Allen because of his ability to to go get you buckets. And and he's not had help. Really fantastic tweet by Jacob Padilla from Hale Varsity when it comes to what Teddy's been able to do. Playing the best basketball of the season right now, who else is helping him, right? You've got Teddy, 18 points a game. Lats right under 10. Banton's at 8. So Banton's kind of creeping up. Uh, Lat had been doing all right. You know, you need you need more from Webster, and he was good against, great against Penn State. But what's McGowan's doing right now? You know, he's defending. But where's he at right now within the flow of the offense 
Where's he at with his shot selection, forcing? I'd love to see him because he's such an incredible athlete because he can get to the rim. But can he start creating kind of like Teddy did? Do we have time for Teddy? No? Son of a gun. We'll hear from Coach Hoiberg before the show's done on Teddy Allen. We'll dive into some NFL. Your take on Carson Wentz to Indy. Can he uh, revitalize his career? Is Indy the spot? Is Philly in trouble with Jalen Hurts? Or are they ready to turn the page and kind of build on some really good glimpses you saw in the city of brotherly love with Hurts at quarterback? And Sue wants to stay in Tampa. Can that happen? We'll break down who is out there for Tampa to try and retain. The NFL uh, salary cap is up to $180 million. They increased it, but who's looking to get really, really paid versus stay in a great situation? Danny Burke's on the way. And we're back. Fellas, think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Back with you, Tail Bar City on a Thursday. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. A, uh, another edition of Burke's Best Bets. Daddy Burke, the pride of Chicago, joining us a little earlier. And uh, excited to catch up with him before his show, Rush Hour, 6 to 7 Central on the Beeson Sports Network. And you hear that on, on uh, iHeart and across the nation in different uh, affiliates uh, at Danny Burke 5 on Twitter. Pride of Chicago, what's up, dude? How are you? Smitty, I'm doing good, man. Uh, how was your birthday celebration? Brother, it was good. Uh, met with Mama yesterday and Junior. We went and had, I uh, had a steak and, uh, and a potato, and she smuggled in some salted caramel bunt cake. And I had, a, I had a cocktail, and, and I was in bed by, by 8.30, man. I was, this old age is kicking my butt, dude. I was going to say, I find that hard to believe, but hey, as long as you were in there safe and we got you home, that's all that matters. No, it, it wasn't anything to do with <laughs> overdoing anything. I just, I, I had a about an eight ounce uh, filet with a little mushroom action, uh, medium rare, loaded baked Beautiful. potato, and uh, I had, you know, had a cocktail and I, I was kind of just kind of food coma. I mean, I'm just, uh, I'm a fat old man, so I just had to get to bed early. Hey, that's how you know you did it right. So Danny Burke won a grand last night with the over-under of Schmidt's birthday bedtime at 7.45. <laughs> he took the over. So I got to ask I gotta ask you, oh, there, there are odds out there on, on Deshaun Watson. And when it comes to where he'll take his first snap in the 2021-2022 season, Right now, the leader is the, the Texans at plus 200. Carolina is in the mix at plus 300. The Donks, plus 400. San Fran, plus 600. Your Bears at plus 700. Miami, plus 1,000. And then there's the Jets, Washington, New England, and uh, Chucky in Vegas. As you look at that, what what does your gut say, and what would you maybe play if if given the opportunity? So I guess I have two teams that I would play here, Schmitty, and my Bears, unfortunately, are not going to make the cut here as much as I would want that to happen. But I'm looking at the 49ers at 6-1 to one and the Dolphins at 10-1. to one. More importantly, 
a little bit more so because of the value and just set up with the Dolphins. I mean, think about this. They have the draft capital uh, capital and commodities to really make this move uh, for Deshaun Watson. And not only that, you know, Deshaun with the no-trade clause, if I'm looking at him, you want to stay in a place with warmer weather probably, and you want to go to a team that's pretty close to being built to being able to compete for a Super Bowl. And in my mind, the Dolphins are a quarterback away with a couple of receivers from being right there because Flores has been a great coach thus far. The defense is right where you want them. They've been a solid defense these past two seasons, even more this past year. But Tua just couldn't get the job And as unfortunate as it is to say, that's just what happened. I mean, look what the Cardinals did after Josh Rosen. They get their guy in Kyler Murray, and that's been pretty favorable to them thus far. If you got to cut Tua, you got to cut Tua. But you do it to get a guy like Deshaun. And at 10-1, to 1, I think it's a good spot to look at the Dolphins here. Like I said, they're just a quarterback away, in my mind, from being a team that could be built to making the Super Bowl. So I think that would be worth a look. And then also, I mean, the 49ers are kind of in a perfect opportunity as well. Uh, you know, Jimmy G, you're not going to be hurting if you part ways with him. You're going to obviously have to give up a lot to get to Sean. And, you know, it might hurt defensively, but I think it'll be okay still if you're the 49ers. It's going to be worth it to get that guy because offensively you still have enough talent. You trust Shanahan as your coach. So I think those two teams would be the most viable option to make a move for Deshaun. I, I, I frankly would be a little bit surprised if he does end up on the Texans. I get why that's the favorite, but I really just don't see that happening. Uh, he'll he'll eventually bust the door down and get out of there now with Watt taken off. Danny Burks with us. Uh, Burks Best Bets, the Pride of Chicago with us. Some futures uh, opportunity on where Deshaun Watson will take the, his next snap with Miami incredible defense they've got some weapons offensively like you touched on and with with Jimmy G I mean he's already got him to the Super Bowl he wasn't the main reason but he wasn't a liability per se mm-hmm. I think San Francisco's just sick of him being hurt honestly right. I mean, you look at all the missed starts and if you go to your number two or your number three quarterback that's why you're you're at six and ten okay it's because Jimmy G's health has been the issue. I'd love to see Watson with Vegas. I think he'd have a, with those weapons, I think that would be incredible. Not that Carr's anything to sneeze at. Let's talk Carson Wentz as Philly moves on from Wentz, a second and third round pick, maybe a first rounder. If that uh, that that year looks good for Wentz and in Indy, for them to, to make that second round pick, Philly to become a first round pick, it becomes a 70% uh, starting uh, number, he's got to start seventy percent of his of, of the games this year in Indy, and they need to get to the playoffs. Those are the two stipulations. What do you make of this? Indy's got an incredible offensive line. They've got a good run game. They've got Hilton. Their defense was was decent, uh, especially with the addition of Buckner, uh, and they they were okay. They were playoff bound. They were right there against Buffalo with with Phillip Rivers, and now you get a guy like Wentz. Is Wentz just damaged goods, or is he a guy that really got hosed in Philly that can really thrive again and, and can be an MVP guy like he almost was in 17? I think it's a little bit of both. Now, I don't think he's going to get anywhere near the MVP campaign that he was close to a few years back, but 
you know, as a Bears fan, there's no way that I wanted Carson Wentz on Chicago because of all the rumors the amount they were going to give up for him would have been ludicrous. And in my opinion, you already have Nick Foles where they're virtually the same quarterback at this point, so why not save your assets and just go with Foles at that point? So I was really thrilled that Chicago didn't end up pulling the trigger on him and that he didn't even want to go to Chicago. And my argument that I was kind of talking about on a couple of my shows were that the Colts made the most sense for Carson Wentz because of exactly what you alluded to. They have one of, if not the best offensive line in the league, and that suits Carson Wentz playmaking abilities perfectly, right? I mean, he needs a line to help him out. He's not a mobile guy. He can't do well improvising and forcing throws. We saw that happen with Philly in these past couple of seasons. So that's why I think he still has an opportunity to be an above-average quarterback, but I don't think there's going to be stardom there by any means unless the Colts just really make him look good. And honestly, Frank Reich is a solid coach for him, better than Nagy's going to be at this point. He's been proven to be a lot better consistently. And he's got the weapons surrounding him, exactly what you mentioned. So I think Carson Wentz to the Colts was the perfect fit. And the thing that I'm kind of shooting myself in the foot about is that, you know, they were plus money last week uh, for Carson Wentz to land on the Colts. The Bears were the favorite. And I was saying the whole time to, to go with the Colts. And when I was talking about on the show, you know, I'm an idiot and I completely just forgot about it because I was busy doing other stuff. And I went back to go bet it. And of course, they took the odds off the board. So that kind of stunk that I didn't get to pull the trigger. But. You know what? I think Carson Wentz will perform better with his indie team. Are they going to be the same team as last year? I mean, what's the comparison between him and Rivers? I honestly don't know. You know, I'm not going to be shocked if they take a little bit step back or at least it takes more time to get acclimated because Philip Rivers is just a lifer when it comes to football. I mean, this guy is just absolutely obsessed with the game, can read any defense. So we don't really compare Carson Wentz in the same kind of realm, right? So I, I think it's going to take a little bit. His teammates around him will help him because that's how talented they are. But I do think it's the right fit for Wentz. Danny Burke's with us, Pride of Chicago, Burke's Best Bets, at Danny Burke 5 on Twitter. His show on the VEASAN Sports Network, 6 to 7 Central, uh, Monday through Friday. So Danny's getting ready to, to, to launch here uh, shortly. Uh, iHeartMedia is where you hear him. So, Danny, what are you circling tonight and what are you looking at this weekend here for some of your plays? Uh, tonight, i got a play in hockey and then a play in the NBA. I'm rolling with the Washington Capitals tonight, taking on the Sabres. Uh, the Capitals are getting some guys back this evening in Buffalo. As we know, they had a long layoff because of COVID-related issues. They've had a couple losses since then. I think it's a good spot for Washington tonight. They're, they are about minus 150, 155-ish, so you got to lay a little bit, but I do really like the spot here at home for the Capitals. And then also in the NBA, I like a player prop tonight. I like Bam Adebayo over 19.5 points. In this spot going against the Kings, the Kings have a couple big men in Harrison Barden and uh, Rashawn Holmes. They're going to be banged up. And Bam Adebayo has actually done very favorable in back-to-back spots so far this season. I believe the exact number was about like 24 points per game is what he's averaging in that spot, along with the second time he faces the same team. He's averaging about 22 in that position. Plus, he thrives at the rim, and the Kings are not that good at defending within four feet of the bucket. So I think Adebayo goes over 19.5 points. Danny, uh, a thought with uh, some, some college basketball. Has there been anybody uh, that you, you've hovered around or paid a little bit closer attention to as we get closer to March? Nebraska found a way to cover last night, late, uh, despite being on the, the end of, of this uh, just really tough stretch. They didn't cover uh, the first go-around against Maryland. They, they won outright. Uh, despite being another double-digit dog against Penn State on the road, and they they beautifully covered and and really kind of threw the game away against the Illini. So Nebraska's had a pretty nice stretch of covering. 
Uh, I don't know where the line will be set for Purdue on Saturday. I do know that Michigan and Ohio State uh, are set to go full tilt on Sunday. Uh, Right now, both are projected as a one seed. What you do have tonight is uh, in Madtown. Iowa comes in. uh, Wisconsin's uh, favored by just two. Wisconsin's really been struggling. Uh, and you have Iowa that, man, they're, uh, they're, they can play uh, great basketball if they want. Any lean at all with Iowa or Wisconsin about 90 seconds? Yeah, you know, Iowa's one of those teams that has been interesting to follow along with the Schmitty because, you know, they're such an exciting team offensively. Watching guards that play is very fun. We know that. But defensively, that's where their issues lie, right? And they've been getting favored so many times in these games, and you – automatically know the public's going to want to bet them because they see how many points they average per game. But really, this is a team in my mind that, you know, it might, it's maybe caught up at this point, but a good team to fade because really, I mean, you got to have it done on both sides of the ball and you're not going to be shooting, you know, 40%, 50% every single night and just completely dominating, especially when it goes deeper into the season. These teams have played you a couple times and you're familiar with your conference. So, you know, as much as the inconsistencies has also been with the Badgers, I'd probably lean toward Wisconsin in this game, if anything. Ohio State is at Penn State. Penn State just lost to Nebraska. Do they bounce back? It's a, it's a light line here for Ohio State as a five-point favorite on the road. Uh, I look at, at Penn State. They're 9-8 and eight against the spread. Ohio State's 13-7-1 here. Uh, you got to lean one way or the other here. Buckeyes minus five here with about 20 seconds. Yeah, you know, the Nittany Lions are a gritty team regardless, especially at home. So, honestly, I'm probably just going to stay away from this one. But if I were <laughs> going to attack it, I would, you know, hope that the Nittany Lions get off to kind of a hot start and then maybe in-game Ohio State because I do think they get the win. But lane five, I'm a little bit skeptical about that. So probably try to in-game Ohio State at a better number. Uh, the the best advice there, I'm going to stay away from Penn State <laughs> basketball. There he is. It's Danny Burke, Burke's Best Bets, VEASAN Sports Network, Rush Hour 6 to 7, iHeartMedia, at Danny Burke 5 on Twitter. Pride of Chicago, be good. Thanks for the time, brother. You bet, Schmitty. You're the man. Take care. All right, there he is, Danny Burke, making time for us. Gary Barnett's 20 minutes away. Chime in, 402-466-ESPN, or email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me, try me. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time. It's Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. So my old buddy Jose Jefferson put this out on Facebook. And I uh, always enjoyed uh, Jose when he was coaching here in Lincoln doing the coaches show with him a long time ago arena ball but uh when it comes to the the draft you have the carson wentz trade not a single quarterback drafted in the first round from 09 through 16 is still with his original team that's 0 for 22 now you have wentz and and goff both being dealt Andrew Luck retired, and you've had some lifers, i.e. Philip Rivers, find his way before retirement to a new team and actually get a, get a playoff run together because Philip's pretty talented. What you don't have right now is a lot of patience, and Danny Burke touched on this, where what the Cardinals did with Josh Rosen really 
someone gave permission to move on from a lottery pick real quick after a year. Usually you go down with the ship, so to speak. If you botch the quarterback, you're packing your office up and see ya. He's going to ride it out for two or three years of pain and suffering, but you're you're going to get that window. And with the Rosen move, which was wise because Murray's money, everything's accelerated, right? You see it all the way down with early enrollees and leaving early. And, and now you just aren't going to get that much time in the NFL. Goff went to a Super Bowl. Well, let's go get Stafford. Maybe he's he's better for us, despite his age and the mileage on him. I think it's crazy to get rid of Tua this soon. But the question you got to ask yourself, did the, the front office guy and the owner force Tua in before he was ready? And he wasn't awful, but Miami was, was kind of rolling with, with Fitz magic. So maybe that was – I just think it's too soon to punt on Tua. I just do. Now, if I'm Miami and I can move him and get Watson, do it. Absolutely. I just don't know what the, the market is for, for Tua right now. Um, we'll get into some quarterback thoughts with Gary Barnett coming up. But let's talk about Carson Wentz and why and how this went down. And I'm interested kind of what you believe. Here, here's what I believe. And, and you, you have anonymous sources over the last several months and the, the demise of Carson Wentz in Philadelphia. It was chalked up to him being a bad teammate. Got an ego. His ego is bruised. Carson Wentz isn't a team guy. And, and I look at a kid that, that first, if you're going to play for Coach Bull, and then after Bull takes off, and still go crank out championships. I think there's just a certain way of doing things at North Dakota State, and they're pretty honorable. And I think North Dakota State is is all about earning versus giving. As great as they've been, there's just a certain kind of kind of culture there. And and Wentz is a guy who I think was really talented, and it wasn't because of the level he was playing at. And there's really good football in that division of football. But you saw Wentz really play well. And I know he was on a Super Bowl championship team and wasn't the starting quarterback be, because of injury. And, and I think Wentz really got kind of gun-shy confidence-wise when you have the start you have where you have a really good rookie season and then you're you're knocking on that MVP door in 2017 where you're you're cranking out 35 touchdown passes and you're below 10 interceptions and and Philly's rolling and then you he's going in on a on a scramble because I think he he is he he's been mobile he's tough and he goes ACL LCL in 17 and then he comes back and he has a stress fracture in his back so you come off the knee, and then and then you have a, a, a stress fracture, a, a broken back, and, and you've never been the same since. So where I think things blew up is I think Frank Wright 
was the brains in that Philly run. He was the offensive coordinator. He connected with Carson Wentz. He was good with Foles. And what happened is, is, is Wright got his own shot in Indy now. They've been really good. I think Doug Peterson had a great staff around him. Doug Peterson's now not coaching in the NFL. And I think Doug Peterson panicked with communication. I think the owner and the GM were like, well, we've invested all this money in Carson Wentz, knee injury, back injury. He's still our guy, and we want him to know he's our guy, but yet that wasn't communicated. And I don't know if it was Peterson's job to communicate that or if I'm the owner and I've already sunk hundreds of millions of dollars into my my quarterback that looked really good and we've gotten a Super Bowl despite his injury situation. I'd say, look, we need to go get a, a backup, not a replacement, but a backup in Jalen Hurts. This kid's special. We think he's a winner. Uh, look how he's persevered with Alabama and he stayed ready and look how good a teammate he was. So we're going to pull the trigger on on Jalen Hurts and see where it goes. And things may work out great for Hurts in Philly. I'm, I'm excited to see him play because I think he's a good ball player. But I think you had some, some negative shade at Wentz. He probably didn't handle it real well because of the lack of communication. He felt blindsided and I think trust went to zero. And Wentz's handling of it was not good because I think he checked out. There was no more buy-in, no more trust in Doug Peterson with what he's telling me. He, I, Not in the locker room, but pretty much Wentz, to me, felt like he was lied to and deceived. So I don't trust this guy. And that's where you had things fall apart. So the other side of it is you're coming back from a back injury. You're coming back from a knee injury. You have a COVID-shortened offseason. You can't gel with the new guys because it's not the same team that you were leading towards a Super Bowl. And then there's locker room issues. You're seen as selfish. And you can be pissed off, but people got to know why you're upset. Is it because you're hurt that they went with Jalen and drafted Jalen? All you needed to say was, look, dude, you've been injury-prone. You're still our guy. We're going to go get this quarterback as an insurance policy. That's all it is. That wasn't communicated. It got in Wentz's head, and it spiraled downhill. Now, I'm going to buy stock in Carson Wentz because I still think he can be mobile. Indianapolis had a top seven offensive line. They've drafted well on the offensive line. They got Jonathan Taylor. Their defense is better than average. Good and it's there. It's Buffalo. Indy was a playoff team. And there's still Kansas City, obviously, in Tennessee. I'm buying stock because I think you're getting a really talented quarterback that has something to prove that I think is pretty stand-up when he's being told honest things. And now. And now. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Thanks for hanging out. Hail Varsity. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt. Damon Barr is in. So, Damon, we, we started off talking a little dodgeball. Was that a favorite of the uh, the Barr family? Any, any backyard dodgeball or lawn darts? I mean, 
give me give me a look see here. Would uh, you would you draft anybody in your family to be a teammate? In my family, maybe my dad. I had the good arm dodgeball tournament when I was in high school, and he did you really? I, I was in one, yeah, and he kept telling me about all his uh, techniques from when he was a kid, and uh, he really loved the game. So yeah, I had a, a game. Did he throw wrenches at you? <laughs> not not quite that kind of trading, <laughs> but I, I had a, I had a game saving catch in uh, our first game of that tournament. Did so you really? It, it was one on one. Is there footage of this uh, so we can put out on Twitter? Hopefully not, but uh, the one on one, the last guy standing, and I, I caught the ball and brought us to the next round where we got crushed by the baseball team. So it, it didn't work out in the end. So but. was this was this the. Uh, a pious dodgeball tournament. This was a pious dodgeball. So who were who were your yeah. teammates? Uh, it was me and uh, all of my uh, buddies who I went uh, through grade school with. Not the most athletic bunch we were. No, but you were but crafty. We we tried our best. Uh, we played with heart out there. Ragtag <laughs> team of kids, and uh, we we slipped by uh, one team and made our ways to the second round. So don't lie to me here. Did you beat the chess team or the chess club or the drama squad? No, or who, did, like, who did you beat? They were uh, soccer players on that well, team. Well, they're not used they to using their hands, athletic. man. Well, there you go. That, I guess. Yeah. They seemed athletic enough to Well, yeah, they're soccer kids. <laughs> so, and you know, their stamina was in, in, in incredible. Right, yeah. So, but the baseball team just drilled they, you? They just wailed on us, yeah. Yeah. Well, good for you making it. I'm sure knowing some of the pious kids I went to, I, I mean, I worked with, I didn't go to school with them, but I'm sure there was somebody, you know, taking, <clears throat> taking numbers, taking odds. I'm sure there was a, an office pool going on. I, I should have got in on that. I could have maybe done, tanked in the first round. done some fixing for a little capital gain there. <laughs> I love that. You're like, maybe I could have fixed things. We're not supposed to win anyway, guys. Let's just take a dive and collect some money. How about it? All right, uh, we will dive into a lot of football topics with Gary Barnett on Hale Varsity here next hour. Brandon Vogel will be with us. Uh, we'll dive in. Big matchup for Nebraska against Minnesota here Friday and Sunday. So uh, anxious to get uh, Vogue's take on that. Plenty of recruiting to, to dive into next hour with uh, some pretty special in-state kids. Do have uh, a thought on Indomitian Sioux. And Sue got with Sports Illustrated, and the long and short is, and this is a, a, a quote from Sue to Albert Breer, my goal is to come back and have an opportunity to go win another Super Bowl. End of discussion. Me and Tom spoke the other day about the opportunity, as well as uh, with GM Jason Light. I don't know if... You saw our parade celebration at the podium. Coach B.A. said, I'm not going anywhere. He said that about Levante, too. And he's usually a man of his word. So I look forward to the opportunity to continue to play, especially in Tampa. And I honestly believe I have a lot of elite, great talent left in me to play. I'm not ready to hang him up yet. My wife's given me the okay. That's first and foremost. I got her permission. Well, we'll uh, spend some more time on all the uh, the ink Tampa needs here for a back-to-back run. Hour two's on the way with Hale Varsity. 
Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Hour two at Tail Bar City Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Damon Barr. Give us a follow on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio at Damon Barr. That's two R's. We welcome in the Hall of Fame coach with Colorado and Northwestern. We say hi to Gary Barnett. Coach, how we doing on Thursday? Oh, it's a nice day down here, Chris. Didn't start that way, but it's a nice day. You would, you would like to be here, trust me. Guess what? As you... Uh, book a vacation i will be uh in uh in uh less than, than a week i head down wednesday to uh to arizona oh good gonna go see mom i'm gonna go spend time with my mom my brother and i are headed down uh on wednesday we'll be back sunday but yeah it's been insanely cold and chilly although uh 19 above feels like 90 above uh, based on how the week started so yeah i i've gotten the weather updates and i expect you got 18 in today oh yeah yeah i got 18 in and some practice here so uh yeah it's a good thing you know the sun hasn't gone down so i don't have to go home yet <laughs> i still got a couple more hours to work are you, are you still on the course or in the clubhouse yeah i am i'm at, I'm at the practice green so. oh man well, I will, I will make this worth your time then. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> so, I need a break anyway. Okay, well, that's what I wanted to get into is, so Nebraska's in the middle of winter conditioning, and a lot of teams are, are either in winter conditioning or at the point where they're, some are going to start spring ball or spring practices here shortly. And Nebraska did a uh, all-out, dodgeball attack today i don't know who was versus who i just saw mario verdusco get drilled uh per the footage by three different uh throws my question to you is is how did you break up the the winter grind what were some activities or some some fun uh moments you remember that either you rewarded the team with or you just kind of put in place to kind of chop things up well um, you know, one of the things we did was we we had a uh, liftathon that started at uh, midnight, really? and while the uh, we did it in a room where people could come by and watch us watch our guys lift, and so then we had a big grill going, and we were we cooked all kinds of meat, and so um, the kids lifted their fannies off like in a big contest. Uh, by teams, and then uh, at the uh, at the end, then they all had a big. We all had a big mess of meat to eat. <laughs> they, they they loved it. It was a lot of fun. Uh, we did a dodgeball thing one time. That's fun. Um, but you know, you can do. You just need to do a little bit of that. You don't need to do a lot of it. Mm-hmm. We did a bowling night one night, uh, and, and that was always fun. But you got to get your work done. I, I think the camaraderie that you build during the work is is twice as important as the camaraderie that you sort of have when you go do something as a team. So you always want to do those things because you got to keep things somewhat fresh. 
but I think the off-season workouts uh, are really critical, and you you have to make them competitive, and you've got to hold people accountable, and um, you coaches have to be demanding, and there has to be standards, and they have to meet those standards, and you can devise ways. I had a I had a I had one that if I did it today, if I went back to work today, there any question I'd put it in. And all the coaches that work for me, I made videos of it and sent it to them, and they they still use it to this day. And it's uh, that is what's really important. I mean, breaking it up's important, but but you know the routine that you get them into and the competitiveness that you create and the accountability that they have to have uh, in that is, is really more important than anything. Gary Barnett's with Sun Hale Varsity Radio. Uh, coach coming to us from a, a practice green uh, down in sunny, beautiful Arizona. I love the uh, the competitive part, the the accountability part, the demanding. I mean, those are those are core standards you got to have. That's that's three sixty five uh, for your program. Uh, when it comes to to the dodgeball, did you? participate did you make teams was there a draft how did it go yeah well we participate we you know we went bowling we all went bowling we did the dodgeball we all got in the dodgeball and of course that you're the first ones they want in a dodgeball they're going to get you before anybody they get anybody else so um yeah i mean you got to feel like you're in there with them and, uh, you know, that uh, this is a time to have some fun. We're going to all have fun. I'm not going to watch you have fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, you, you do that stuff. And it's, you'd be surprised how much fun those everybody has. And, uh, you know, guys, believe it or not, guys thrive on, on that competitiveness and on, on those, you know, they, they don't want to get up at 6 a.m. or 5 to go to those workouts. But once they're there, uh, and they finish them. They feel really good about themselves, and uh, you know it, it's it's a way of building them up during the off season. Coach, with the uh, the, the liftathon, uh, how did you get points per team? I mean, I'm not to to keep hammering this, but I'm just curious. I mean, I could I can smell the grill going, knowing what you like to fire yeah. up on the grill, but but who who was this at Northwestern? Or is it was this at Colorado? This was at Northwestern. Larry Olsen, the strength coach, had, uh, in fact, we, there'd be a, there was a basketball game going on. Uh, it was just finishing about the time we were starting, and I, we had glass on. We, we were on so people were leaving the basketball, and we were walking by and watching our guys in there just screaming and yelling and throwing up all this weight. And yeah, we had competitive teams and, uh, you know, guys standing around each other and, and then at the same time, we have a 15-foot grill that had every kind of meat on it. And uh, one of the one of the assistant strength coaches was out grilling all the food. So uh, we called it Viking Night. Really? And, uh, it, it was a hoot. It became legendary there. That sounds like the menu. And, yes, the weight was perfect. That sounds good. Yeah. There wasn't anything green on the menu. Well, there. it's overrated, right? I mean, it's it's time to get medieval <laughs> with the weights and, and, and uh, some big old turkey legs, right, or some uh, some uh, seven-inch thick steaks. Coach, uh, what's your take on, on Gus Malzahn headed to Central Florida? Gus just put a tweet out 
and he's smiling, and it's like 82 and sunny. So Gus is in a good spot. He gets to keep all $21 million, uh, no questions asked from Auburn. Tell me what you think he can do at Central Florida. Are you surprised he took the Central Florida gig? Uh, well, that whole thing, the way it came down, is fine. I mean, you be, shouldn't be surprised at anything in 20, 2020 or 2021, but, you know, it's it's certainly not the way – it usually works, which is which is okay. But I I'm happy for Gus, not for all of the money he's going to make, but for the fact that he can go and go to work, do what he loves, and uh, in a good place where he can win. And uh, you know he's not going to be a guy that's going to rub it in. He's, he just wants to go to work, he wants to coach, and he's a dang gone good football coach. Uh, you know he's done what nobody else in that whole league's done. Uh, saving, and so uh, for him to get a chance in a place like that immediately, I'm I'm really happy for him because usually you have to sit out a year, but uh, I, and I think he's doing the right thing. Go if he's ready to go, go jump in right now, go do your thing, and and have some more fun. Do you envision a expansion here uh, sooner rather than later with the playoffs, and if there's an expansion? Does that mean the longer Central Florida is cranking out 10-11 wins or Cincinnati with Fickles winning 10-11 games or BYU, let's just say, if, if they have another run in them, are they still on the outside looking in despite more teams getting in, or do you think that there'll be a spot available for a group of five squad? Well, where I think it's going to go, Chris, and, and, and this is all – based on whether we can play next year and have crowds and resume what 2019 was like. If we can do that right away, we've only had one year off, one year away, and and so we, you know things may not miss much of a beat. There'll be some changes, obviously, because we all learned a bunch of stuff in this period of time. Uh, if, if it happens like that, then I think the next move is to go to – 16 playoffs, a bye for your one and twos, and every conference champion gets in, and one spot for a for a top uh, conference, uh, you know, group of five team to get in, and and do that for four or five years and see if it works. We need to still see if the group of fives can survive COVID, uh, and uh, so there's going to always be some. And, and if they if they if they peter out and lose teams because of it, then um, then I think expansion is a real possibility to take in those teams who are willing to pay the dough and put up what it takes to compete at that level. So I, I think you're going to see a period of time when we we're at six to see if how it goes, and then from there make the decision as to whether they expand or not. And uh, you know BYU. Uh, you know BYU's got a pretty good thing going the way it is. Uh, you know they got their own television network, uh, widely watched. Uh, they get all the revenue uh, by going in a conference. Who knows what happens to that? More than likely, they could keep it, but who knows? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and uh, you know UCF is is what one of the biggest schools in the country, so they're in a position to make a move possibly. Cincinnati, I think, is going to be on the bubble. 
um, about that. But they're they're in Boise's up there. There's you know you can make an argument for about six teams. After that, I don't know if you can make much of an argument. So I, I think we're going to have to see what maybe a six teams playoff looks like first. Coach, uh, a, a thought here, and Gary Barnett's with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Uh, the Pac-12, they're uh, looking for a, a new commissioner. How do you feel about the Pac-12's football reputation? Do you think it's still solid? And I know you've got traditional power SC in there, and Oregon's been good for you know an extended period of time, and, and Stanford's had some nice seasons. Colorado's not far removed from a 10-win season. But overall... Uh, with the landscape, are you okay with where the Pac-12 is at perception-wise? Well, I think it's a regional perception of everything. Okay. Uh, I think people in the in the Pac-12 don't see what's wrong with what they have. I think people that are from the Big Ten and the SEC look at the Pac-12 and go, "You guys, it's just not all that important out there," and that's why you're no more important than you are. But People in the West don't, you know, they don't see it that way. They they think it's as important as it needs to be. So I think it's more of a regional outlook than anything else. Um, and, and it depends on how the Pac-12 wants to be viewed. If they want to have a different, have people have a different view of themselves, they want to change that view, then they're going to have to make some changes. If they're happy with it, you know, the presidents are happy with it, um, you know, in the Pac-12, uh, national championships and all that stuff may not be nearly as important uh, as they are in the SEC or maybe the Big Ten. So um, it, 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 there is a reason that it's in the West. The reason the West is different than everybody else. And, and uh, you know, you sort of got to let them do their thing and be themselves. And, and I think it may always be that way. Quarterback question for you before we say goodbye. Carson Wentz. Uh, he's headed off to Indy. Uh, his time in Philly's done. It's the Jalen Hurts era now. What's your take on Wentz? Uh, would you buy stock in him being able to kind of get back to, to what we saw his first uh, couple years, or do you think it's it's going to be tough for him despite the change of venue? What do you think of Wentz as a quarterback? Well, I think it's hard to survive in Philly no matter who you are and what position you play, but especially quarterback. You know, uh, as you know, Philadelphia has asked Santa Claus not to come back it's, next year. Yes. So uh, <laughs> that's what they do. So I think Carson Wentz is going to have a, a fresh start here and in a different environment, and I think he's going to do just fine. So uh, I, I think it's probably good for everybody that he, he gets to move. Coach, uh, keep on putting. We'll uh, give you a shout uh, next week, and, and thanks for the time today. All right, Chris. Great being with you. All right. You take care, Coach. Appreciate it. Gary Barnett with us on the putting green, letting us know it's just gorgeous down there. And, uh, yes, it's not like I'm – I love being here, love doing what I do. I am anxious as all get out to get down to Arizona. Now, it's probably going to be like 50 and great next week. I don't know that for sure. But uh, Elijah and Damon, are you guys excited? Or are you both kind of like, he? Hey, just, just leave, old man. It's just been a leave. while since we've had to take over. So, yeah, I'm a little excited. Yeah. N- not, not excited to see you go, of course, but. <laughs> Liar. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be three handles of rum for Damon Barr. 
No, that was cool. Good stuff from Gary Barnett. I loved hearing that that Viking night story where everyone's screaming and it's a liftoff where there's just weights going like crazy at midnight and there's raw meat on the grill to uh, to reward at Northwestern. That was fun. Good for Coach. Kind of letting us in on, on his uh, take on things there. Brandon Vogel's on the way. Hale Varsity continues. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you on Thursday. It's Hale Varsity. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Damon Barr. We welcome in Brandon Vogel. Hale Varsity Managing Editor, Magazine.com, and the I-80 podcast with Vogues. You can find him on Twitter at Brandon L. Vogel. So, Vogues, Gary Barnett told us a little story of, of the winter conditioning era at Northwestern. It was called Viking Night, where guys started a liftoff at uh, midnight, and uh, there was, I think he said, a 15-foot grill of just meat goodness uh, uh, on the grill to... Uh, to serve the dudes after they get done lifting, and you know what would what would Vogues put on the grill? Would it just be straight up T-bone city? Would you do a little uh, Italian sausage? May you uh, dive into the chicken breast realm, or is it just is it pork chop time? How would you have uh, catered that event? Good question. Um, that all sounds better than dodgeball. Although dodgeball is pretty good, I have to I have to say. Um, you probably go steak. In that regard, I would think. Yes. I would say steak followed by maybe pork chops. Sausages is kind of a a uh, off-the-radar pick, but who doesn't like a sausage? And they they cook quick and easy, and uh, they're, they're kind of a crowd pleaser. So, so that would be my top three. I, I am in a total agreement with you on that. And do I get banished to purgatory if I ask for a little sauerkraut with my sausage? No, no, you you become team captain. Then, <laughs> um, I mean, we got to find out who's real serious about this and who's not. In in the off, that's what the off season is for. So, if you're if you're the guy who asks for sauerkraut, to me, to to head coach me, I'm like that's a guy I can trust. That's pretty good. Brandon Vogel's with us on Hale Varsity. You know, there's just not a ton of uh, Husker news. I mean, there's some recruiting we can get into, and we'll get your take on on the matchup with Minnesota coming up shortly. And I'm interested, though, with this dodgeball thing. We we just saw a glimpse of, of Mario Verduzco, and we, we maybe some of us were that kid, or we. We knew the kid across the the half court line in the, in the junior high gymnasium that everybody was going to go after. Maybe he picked his nose. Maybe he just was too smart for the room and knew it. Or maybe um, it was just a guy that on the outside that that book cover looked like, oh, we can take him down. <laughs> Mario got drilled with three uh, three dodgeballs today. But I don't know if he had one of those seven thousand pound weights in the backpack or not. But he, dude, his follow through with with the with the, the dodgeball wherever he threw it was was a little scary in a good way. I mean, Mario kind of showed he could play even though he got drilled. Yeah, 
yeah, it's what you'd expect for a guy who who's made it his life life's work to kind of scientifically study the best way to throw an an oblong ball. So it was good to see that at least the mechanics were there for a perfectly round ball. That said, you know, as as well, guys like you and I probably know Schmitty. You're 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 working against age at that point, so so that hurts. Um, but and you you not only you know credits Derek Peterson who who made the joke on Twitter that uh, he he got hit a number of times and they all have been who from from guys who had to take his his 700 question test over the past couple of months. So that might have been his own room uh, pummeling him with 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 the dodgeballs, but. I, I, it, it struck a uh, struck a soft spot with me. Uh, I, I can't remember. I know there are adult dodgeball leagues out there, but that was always the day, at least for us in, in PE, where it's like, yeah, we give up. We're, we have no lesson plan for today. We're just going to play dodgeball. And it was. It was vicious. It was survival of the fittest, but so be it. You do that once every three months, I think that's okay. The, the kids in my classroom, God, 10 years ago, we loved dodgeball. And they loved winding up and going after me. Now, I'm going to go the other way with you. Maybe that was his room that, that hit him square. <laughs> or do we believe that it was his room from an accuracy standpoint? <laughs> well, fair question. Uh, Adrian Martinez did have the best completion percentage of his career. He was in, great in last year, yes. So, so <laughs> made some progress there, but yes, that's, that's, that's a fair question to ask. And, you know, with, with a guy like Mario, who is as seriously as he is about just throwing an object. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's never good enough. Like until you're at 100%, uh, you're always, you're always striving for something that could be a little bit better. So whether it was or it wasn't, it, it, it's a no lose for Mario. Like if it if it was great, quarterbacks looking pretty accurate here in twenty twenty one. I guess if it wasn't, um, well, I don't know. I guess, maybe maybe there is no upside in that on that front. Vogues, uh, we have spent a lot of time on volleyball. I forgive me on that, but I I had to go there because it made me smile today. Uh, volleyball, Nebraska gets to host Minnesota. Uh, Wisconsin looms. Your book with John Cook is is awesome, uh, Dream Like a Champion, and uh, that is out there for, for all Husker fans. If you don't have a copy, hardback, and, and, uh, and uh, of course, you can order that. So I'm interested to get your take here on what you've seen from Nebraska volleyball. We know they're great. We know they're talented. We know they're trained uh, at the highest level. Minnesota comes in, monster step up in competition. The Big Ten is, well, in- incredibly difficult uh, to, to win and dominate because of the, the, the teams in this league. How do you see this weekend, Friday and Sunday, shaking out? And it seems like all the buttons have been pushed so far, as you'd expect from Coach Cook. And, and even even with Hildebrandt, I mean, he is – Kind of given some some different perspective. I mean, Coach Cook's always evolving, and he's he's evolving uh, with top three teams. He's not waiting to to play catch up. He's always staying four or five steps ahead. 
Yeah, I kind of look at this weekend, uh, which is the big one for Nebraska volleyball, as as right challenge at the right time. So Nebraska has looked, I think for the most part, like like we expected them to look against the schedule that they had. That said, you know, it was a little, it, it looked like a team that was, was kind of working a few things out. And they've definitely been experimenting on the, uh, on the lineup front, you know, with, with switching some people in and out, trying to find the right rotations. Now you're getting to a point where it's kind of like, okay, let's, let's, let's see what you learned. Um, dropping a set to Rutgers, well, you know, anything can happen. Well, a little bit of a mild surprise. Drop the set to Maryland. Uh, so we're going to find out. Uh, the, the competition certainly goes up for Nebraska. In, in these next two weeks, I've seen nothing so far to say that the Huskers aren't in the class of, of Minnesota and Wisconsin, but there, there are some questions to, to be answered on that front. So I think I'm really looking forward to, to Friday night. And it, it's, it gets interesting with just the setup of this schedule, playing them back to back. And this week in particular, you've got a day off between those. What do you learn from that match? How do you bounce back or how do you come back from, you know, hopefully a win if you're Nebraska on Friday night against a really good team? Um, that's kind of a scenario that we've seen Nebraska have really tough back-to-backs in the Big Ten before. In fact, most back-to-backs in the Big Ten are tough, but never against the same team. So we're going to find some things out, I think, about Nebraska volleyball in the, the two, three days ahead and getting Minnesota at home while you don't have that traditional Devaney center advantage without a, a packed house, I think is a good timing for Nebraska as they look to go on the road against the number one team in the country, you know, in a week. Bogues, what are, what are some concerns you have about Nebraska, either offensively or defensively? Is there any matchup question marks for, for this weekend? I mean, I think, I think as, as is the case with most years, Nebraska can, can match up with just about anybody. So they've, they've shuffled in middle blockers, and, and you've, got, you've got two there that kind of provide you different sides of the coin. Kayla Caffey, the new transfer, brings a lot of offense, kind of as Coach Cook put it this week, has all the shots in her repertoire. Kelly Schwarzenbach, who'd been, been there previously, is, is probably the better defender at this point. So it's really about how they, how they utilize those people. Serve, serve and pass, which Coach Cook will tell you at every opportunity, is, is really the key to the game. Uh, particularly on the serving front, has been a little bit up and down for Nebraska at some point. So that's, that's what you're going to learn this weekend. As, as you get into these matches against teams of this caliber, the team that serves the best is probably going to win. Uh, and Nebraska's gotten creative in, in who they're subbing in, subbing out to do that. But it, it, it hasn't been – I mean, it, I guess the point is that this, at this stage in the, the season, which is still very early, you don't like, like, well, Nebraska's one of the best serving teams in the Big Ten. We don't know that yet. So I think those are probably the areas I'll watch most closely as, as the Gophers comes down. Brandon Vogels with us, HailVarsity.com and Magazine Managing Editor at Brandon L. Vogel on Twitter is where you find him, his book, Dream Like a Champion with John Cook. So 
about 30 seconds here. Shocked or not that Sue said he's coming back for a 12th season? Not that shocked. You know, you, I, I guess the right off into the sunset ending would be you won the Super Bowl. You've had a great, great career. Let's just call it there. But I think most people, um, this would probably certainly be the case for me, you always have that, well, let's let's see if we can do it again. Um, and I think that's that's totally fair. I'm excited to get to watch more Sioux football. He's been so good off the field with his interests beyond football and setting himself up that he's put himself in a great spot uh, to, to be ready for the next phase of whatever his life is. At this point, being able to play football one more year, like – that's pretty precious, man. So I say go for it. Yeah, the, the United Bank of Sioux, right? I mean, he's, he's <laughs> doing well. Vogues, uh, we'll talk Saturday, brother. Thanks for jumping on. Thanks for flipping the, the times around. It was great to get your take on, well, not only dodgeball, but some, some volleyball, man. Be good, and we'll talk soon. Sounds good. Thanks. All right. Brandon Vogel with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Uh, we have a surprise guest in 10 minutes. I am so jacked. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hail Varsity Radio. I got the body of a taut, preteen Swedish boy. Back to you, Tail Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Reminder about buckling up. 70% of people in fatal crashes in Nebraska. Not wearing a seatbelt. If used properly, a seatbelt can reduce the risk of fatal injury by up to 60%. Your best defense in any crash, buckle up. Brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. We left off uh, talking in Dominican Sioux. And uh, Vogues is like, no, I'm not. He's not that surprised. He's he's coming back. Uh, Albert Breer of Monday Morning Quarterback of Sports Illustrated reporting that Sue is uh, wanting to come back to Tampa. Bruce Arians is like, you're not going anywhere. Tom Brady has reached out to Sue. GM uh, Jason Light also is there. And the question I have is. Can you really put a price tag on winning? If you're a guy who's played 12 years, going into his 12th year, and, I mean, look at Sue's career. I mean, he he was number two overall, goes to Detroit, rookie of the year. He's been an all-pro three times, pro bowler five times. And the thing about Sue is he ended up going to the one spot he probably didn't want to go to. And it was only briefly... Uh, that that he had the kid out of Auburn paired with him on the interior. And you had Stafford, and what, did they go to the playoffs once? They went once. Didn't get, uh, didn't, didn't survive Philly in the snow. So then you go to Miami, and I think you push for a playoff there. You get that, that sip of the Super Bowl with the Rams, and you're teamed with Aaron, Don- Aaron, Donald and that defense that was just phenomenal, but you lost to, to New England. So you go to Tampa, and, and two of Sue's four stops have been in the tax-friendly state of Florida, where they tax their citrus, which means he gets to keep more money. He had his $40 million guaranteed in Detroit, and half of that lost to taxes. 
Sue has been so good, I mean, with charity and an endowment and outreach and then just business ventures with his buddy Warren Buffett and other smart guys. I mean, Sue's going to print money for a long time. But I think you've got this Brady mentality that has worked really well. And if Brady's reaching out saying, look, can we can we get you back? Vata Vea is, is healthy, and man, that kid's learning a lot from you, and he's really good too. And then you got your, your Hellraisers off the edge with JPP and, and Shaquille Barrett, and they'll want to get Levante taken care of, who's Levante is trying to work on his third contract. And you have White, and then you got Winfield is just uh, – God, he's kind of like a Mike Brown clone, isn't he? When you watch what he does as young as he is. So I think Sue is, his, his one-year hits have, have kind of gone down from $10 million to $8 million. Does he do a, a one-year deal for $5 million? Because let's try and go win a second. It's not necessarily a, a, an insult to your value. It's making the puzzle pieces work because while Tampa does have cap room, they do have this. They've got Shaquille Barrett to take care of, who's younger in his career. Levante David, Chris Godwin, Rob Gronkowski. I mean, those are four monster pieces along with making Sue feel like a priority and having Brady reach out makes Sue feel like a priority. Sue has, has toiled a lot of his career for losers. All right, one and done in Detroit, kind of a hopeless, hapless franchise. You get out of jail, sign a monster deal, really doesn't go that well for you in Miami. And when you did have a coordinator you liked, he got hired away after your second season. You get cut by Miami. You land for a one-year speed dating round with McVeigh and your old buddy Zach Taylor. And that was great, but you didn't get it done. Not your fault. You did everything you could. And now you're in, in Tampa, and all the hard work you put in, in your career, you've not won, and it's not because of you. You've just never had help at most spots you've been at, and even going to Tampa that first year. I mean, you you go where Jameis Winston's your quarterback, and you're six and ten or seven and nine, and there's thirty picks that you got to come out for defensively. Now, more from Sue in this article about getting the the go ahead from his wife, and he wants to be able to play at a high level, they're not going to make Sue kill people during training camp. They're going to they're gonna take care of him, and he'll be able to go flip the switch because clearly he can still do that. And he can be a mentor for a, a bunch of other guys. The thing that Sue's had is, is the work ethic and the talent, and that's that's been combined. And you look at the, the playmaking – he has been able to provide. And he was so excited to sign because he likes the defensive coordinator. He likes the head coach. He likes working and playing with Tom Brady. 
But this defense with Tampa, with the run game, with the offense, with Brady, he's not just wasting energy for for no hope or prayer of a win or going very far like he did in Detroit, like he did in Miami. So I think his outlook has shifted a bit, and I think some of that hometown discount, championship discount, Brady, New England, let's restructure type mentality discount will be reality for Sue. He doesn't want to be chasing Brady in 2021. Sue can play. Sue can go get paid. But maybe maybe he'll take less. Maybe he'll take less and be okay with that because he wants to stay in Tampa. Now, they can't absolutely insult the guy. Uh, but he realizes that as big a part uh, of this team as he is, uh, together with uh, Levante and Barrett and him, that's three big-time pieces. And offensively, you've got Evans, you've got Antonio Brown, Godwin's nice, you've got the Johnson kid out of Minnesota that really made some big-time catches. Uh, you've got Howard that's going to try and come back from injury. Remember, they got him not long ago, the stud tight end out of Alabama. So uh, we'll see if Tampa can do it again. And you've got a bunch of guys that are hungry, that have tasted success at the highest level for the first time. Levante was great in college. Didn't win a championship. They were in position to. Uh, you, you have Shaq. Uh, Barrett that, I mean, was the Mountain West Defensive Player of the Year, but didn't didn't go win much. Gronk, I mean, best he did was, I think, a 9-4, and 8-4 and four in, in college. Of course, he moves on to New England and does great things. But I think you've got a, a different mentality because you really can't put a price on winning, especially at this point in your career. Well, wind down to Thursday. Great to have you in at Tail Varsity Radio. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Winding down to Thursday, it's Hail Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. I tell you what, you need to warm up. You can do so. And uh, we welcome back in. It is the return of Deb the Spa Lady, Home Innovation Spas, 20th and Highway 2, spasonline.com, and off Industrial Road in Omaha. Deb, warm me up. How are you? Oh, my gosh. I am grinning from ear to ear. This is so great to be back. Oh, my gosh. And we are starting our first home show in a year tonight up in Omaha. I believe it opened at 5 o'clock tonight, so it goes through the weekend. So things are starting to feel a little bit back to normal. We've actually got inventory coming in. We're still pretty long lead times, but at least it's doable. I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. Deb, I am so happy for you. That inventory's coming back in, that home show just up the road for folks. And you know what? People have been staying home. Uh, people are starting to get back out. 
And you want to talk about uh, a, a year of stress? You have the stress relievers, uh, whether it's a two-person stress reliever with a hot tub or you've got, uh, the, you know, the uh, the hot tubs down at uh, 20th and Highway 2 or spasonline.com. That, that folks, if you got a giant family uh, and you're and you're just wanting to relax, Deb, you can show them, can't you? We can. We can. We can deliver them. You know, we're telling people now when a truckload comes in, we'll call and tell you it's here. Let's schedule delivery. If you can scoop a pass for us, we'll get it to your backyard. We delivered two swim spas today. <laughs> so we're making it happen. Even in these terribly cold, snowy times, we're going to do it because people have been patient. They've waited, and we're going to make it happen for them and help them out. It's crazy. Well, those swim spas are incredible, and uh, what a way to work out. What a way to stay warm, and someday it's going to be hot, and uh, you know what? You can just relax in the back or in the in the house uh, with that swim spa, Deb. Yeah, we, can, we really have something for everyone. The little tubs up to the big 19-foot swim spas and everything in between. So come in and see us. We'll make it happen for you. I know that our manufacturers are one of the, you know, one of the only ones out there that are really going hard and producing and sending out products. So I can feel safe to say that uh, we're going to probably be the fastest out there of anybody in this whole area. That is great. Deb, the Spa Lady, Home Innovation Spas, 20th and Highway 2 in Lincoln, off Industrial Road in Omaha, spasonline.com. Uh, Deb, folks love you. They've missed you. They're excited. And when can folks come see you? What are the hours? Um, I'm going to be there, actually, this weekend. I'll be there tomorrow, 10 to 6, and Saturday, 10 to 4. So I'll be doing the same specials that they'll be doing up at the home show. You know, and who knows? Maybe even a little bit better. So. And because I can. No, that is all. Uh, I'm going to bring you <laughs> a boulevard. I'm going to swing on by 20th and Highway 2, and I'll have a boulevard with you. All right. I like it. Come on by. That'll be great. <laughs> Deb, you're awesome. Thanks for jumping back on. Okay, Chris. Bye-bye. There she is. Deb the Spot Lady. Talk to you on Friday. Thanks.